0: Welcome. I'm Sebastian Mafud, and you're listening to WCAT Radio, the on air wing of Enroute Books and Media, bringing you the dulcet sounds of Catholic wisdom. So, welcome everyone to Bereavement Miracles. This is Mike Frey, the author of Bereavement Miracles, a 12 step program of unity and hope. You have to bear with me today, folks. I'm a little under the weather, I got a chest infection, so if I cough, I do have a pillow right here, I'm going to bury my head into it while Mike speaks, so I'm just really going to facilitate um, the the program today, and as you know, this program is is a 12-step program in a systematic way, approaching um, grieving and mourning uh, in the light of uh, Christianity, and so with that being said, The whole program is based on unity and hope. So the program's aim is to help us, as most of you already know, is to answer three uh, questions. Um, Why things happen the way they do, how we can get better as a uh, communicable society, and who is the source and summit to our spiritual happiness? And within this story today, we'll hear from Mike. We'll see how um, his life on, is, as we will hear, unfolding, um, and how he is, uh, his perspective on things have grown. Uh, even uh, Mike has, and he'll share with you, his uh, story of his uh, daughter Sophia. Uh, who was born uh, a stillbirth. Uh, But before we get into that, I'm not going to be taking any calls today, so we're going to dive right into this because I I do have many questions for Mike. Uh, If you want a copy of Bereavement Miracles, you can go to enroutebooksandmedia.com and look under Spiritual Books, and you'll see Bereavement Miracles. Now you can also order it through Amazon Smile, and why smile? Well, I just got an update today that my last, I think, quarter uh, through Amazon, the things that I buy, $116 went to Holy Apostles College and Seminary, which is a nonprofit um, college seminary in Cromwell, Connecticut. So they do get a little bit of the proceeds of anything that I do buy. So if you do buy a book or anything, uh, sign up for Amazon Smile and designate Holy Apostles College and Seminary uh, to. Um, Receive that little bit of uh, uh of profit each and every month to help us um, uh, uh, the through the formation of our seminaries in priests now today I'm not running on YouTube. too um, we'll try that next week, but I am having uh, troubles with the feed with that uh but you can certainly um, you know, Listen to this once it's uploaded, which it will shortly be, uh, on uh, WCATradio.com, and you will find all the uploads. Uh, Again, that's WCATradio.com. And folks, I was listening to, while preparing for this um, talk by Mike today, listening to um, Father uh, Father Billy, talk about his new book that I'm going to be interviewing in about a month from now. And so there's a, a lot of uh, uploads that you can obtain f- uh, you know, free uh, through uh, the WCATradio.com, and uh, you can certainly find that link with nrootbooksandmedia.com as well. So the preamble, as you already know, but let me just go over this for anyone new joining us. Bereavement Miracles is a fellowship of men, women, and uh, well, there are at times uh, children who share one common connection, the loss of a loved one. The goal of this 12 week program is that in the midst of sorrow, one finds greater peace, joy, happiness, and a sense of closure. Now, the only requirement for this fellowship is to have an open heart and mind and a desire to help others in recovery. The ability to let go and move forward with one's life will take time and effort, but if you stick with it, You'll soon find that the fellowship within these rooms, or on the air, and while we're listening to Mike today, uh, is gathered uh, in, centered in Christ, who is the summit of spiritual healing and well-being. Again, this is a twelve-step program, uh, where I'll read how it works, and then I'm going to forego reading the steps today. Uh, but before I uh, move along, join me in reciting the Serenity Prayer. God. Grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change the things that I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. Now, on page 12, this is how this program works. Within this fellowship, you will find unity, friendship, and a real sense that you're not alone. The fruits of this fellowship will encourage you to identify those same common experience in dealing with the death of a loved one. It is a hope that the guidance of this program inspires you to rely upon Christ as a means to a full recovery. Now, the sense of grief can often be accompanied by guilt, loneliness, and remorse associated with your loss, which can be very traumatic and last for a long time. You'll find that through the caring and sharing of each other's personal stories, your state of mourning, will eventually improve because all things are possible through him who strengthens me and that his presence will fill you with joy and peace. We affirm that you have not been abandoned and God is indeed by your side. We, Mike and I, understand what you're going through. Together by sharing openly, you will begin to trust in God's familial love and be not afraid. Therefore, allow the sacramental healing of the Holy Spirit's love to bring reconciliation to you. Now, Brief at Miracles is a simple program. It's designed to help us find the mystical body of the church which lives in the common good of one another, emanating from the heart of Christ. As we go through these steps of recovery, we will have a new sense that God is doing for us what we could not do for ourselves. The loss of a loved one is one of the most difficult and complex issues that we will ever face. It's not easy. What we will achieve by working these steps is the understanding that what we are experiencing is normal and we should not try to preoccupy ourselves with mundane activities in the hope that the pain and hurt will magically disappear or simply go away. We encourage you to talk about your feelings so that others can help you heal. Remember, God does not ask us to understand but just to believe one step at a time belief because I believe will tether us to a higher power of love and goodness far beyond our comprehension God truly knows what we are going through he deeply cares for us so much so that he died for us so that we may have peace and share in his glory but many have exclaimed while in the grieving process there is way too much grief and pain I don't know if I can manage to get through all this do not be discouraged no one expects anyone to recover overnight you begin by sitting in allowing others to carry your burden so that you can begin the process of recovery. Remember no one among us has been able to maintain a state of emotional balance throughout this experience. The point is is that we are willing to grow along spiritual lines and commit Christ to heal our sorrows. These steps are a process in getting us back in our feet again. Spiritual progress is what we strive for. Only in Christ are we made perfect, through Him and with Him and in Him. We are made whole for all eternity. Lastly, don't give up. Together we will get through this difficult time and we will develop a manner of living that is meaningful and filled with hope and unity. We will develop a true reliance upon Christ as our loving God, one body, one spirit in Christ. All right. So, um, Mike, before we begin, I just wanted to share with our listeners, every week I read the Thought for the Day uh, March 25 in Sarah Young's Jesus Calling Book and it's it's a phenomenal little book Mike that I give out I, I buy them used on Amazon Smile and I hand these out to people in my own bereavement groups okay uh, but she says on uh, March 25 a grateful attitude becomes a gird through which you perceive life gratitude enables us to see the light of my presence shining on all your circumstances. Cultivate a thankful heart, for this glorifies me and fills you with joy. All right. So today, folks, we have a a special guest, Mike Flood, who has written a book. It's titled, Where Are You? Finding Myself in My Greatest Loss. Um, Welcome, Mike, and it's great to have you.
1: Thank, thanks for having me. Thank you.
0: Oh, it's great. Um, now, folks, uh, just to give you a little bit of background, I'm going to do less talking. Mike's going to do more talking, but okay. I just wanted to kind of uh, preempt this uh, discussion. Mike is married to Tara and to has Tara. three three beautiful door, uh, daughters, Sophia, Michelle, uh, Charlotte. I don't know Charlotte and or Judith's uh, middle name, but Charlotte and Judith.
1: It's, it's Charlotte Mary and um,
0: Judith Josephine. Oh, wow. (laughs) Okay, I'm just writing that down. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) So um, Mike has written a book, uh, book, folks, and I'm hoping that you will be able to identify with Mike's story. Now, this will be downloaded onto that uh, program that I told you, the uh, WCATradio.com, under Monday under bereavement miracles, so you have to kind of swim through the pages and you'll see it and you'll be able to listen to it at any time. So Mike, uh, your book is based on um, Sophia, your firstborn, who was right. still Is that right? That's right.
1: That's right, yes.
0: And um, how many years ago was this?
1: As ten years ago. It was uh, ago. more than ten years now. It's uh, just over ten years. Uh, December of 2018 was, was ten years.
0: Wow, okay. Right. Uh, tell us, Mike, tell the listeners a little bit about yourself, the kind of work you do, the activities you sure. enjoy, and things that sure, you're involved sure, sure, sure. in. Sure. Uh,
1: well, I am uh, first and foremost obviously a family man. I, I don't know if I should say obviously, but I am a family man, so uh, I am a husband and a dad. Uh, those are my number one priorities and my number one activities. I think if anybody asks me, uh, what do you like doing, I kind of just shrug and say, uh, I don't know, whatever the kids are doing, whatever, whatever <laughs> my wife and kids are doing, that's, that's what I want to do. Um, so that uh, the, what kinds of things do we love? We love going to the beach together, summer beach, uh, winter activities lots of snuggling, uh, lots of blankets and things like that in, in the cold weather. Uh, summer is obviously beach and pool. Uh, we love going to our, uh, you know, Karen, my parents' home. Uh, my, my wife is from New Jersey, so going out to see my in-laws and, and the uh, uh, the mommy side uh, grandparents and seeing my folks are nearby in Long Island um, where, we're, where we're from, where we live in New York. Um, so, uh, you know, visiting them, that kind of stuff is, uh, you know, fun for us, Uh, that's what we enjoy doing, Uh, we are, you know, we love going to the zoo as a family, I don't know, things like that, you know, Mm. Um, personally, uh, any me personally, uh, any chance I get to be outside or outdoors, uh, whether it's mowing the lawn or walking in the uh, preserve around the block from my house, uh, Mm. you know, the nature preserve, uh, I love being outside, Uh, camping Mm. is one of my all-time favorite activities, I get to do it far less than I used to because I don't think the women in my life enjoy it. Uh Uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll get them around. Maybe when they get a little bit older, uh, the girls mm. will enjoy a little bit more. Um, but uh, we'll see. But th- that's uh, you know, uh, that's me. I'm a pretty simple person, I think. Um, I love listening to music. Uh, I love reading. Um, th- that's pretty much uh, that's pretty much me as far as uh, you know uh, how I spend my time. Uh, professionally, I am a teacher. Mm. I teach at a, uh, a Catholic high school on Long Island. Um, I teach eleventh and twelfth grade. I teach uh, literature uh, and uh, writing. I run the school paper here, and I also run the—I um, guess we call it—an arts magazine. Uh, poetry, photography, uh, mm-hmm. paintings, drawings, things like that. I try and get the kids and try and get the kids involved, and you know. Uh, uh, Writing is is the big thing I hope to to inspire in the kids around the building.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, my first impressions, Mike, uh, with your book was the uh, man touching the finger of God. Okay. Yeah, the uh, Michelangelo. Uh, the
1: Michelangelo painting, yeah, yeah, right.
0: Working, yeah. I just uh, I was really touched by your your book and how you. Um, use spacing in between each line to give us time to digest what you're saying and and mm-hmm. think about things and ponder um it, it was i thought it was a dynamic book and um uh, i know that it's going to be um, in published uh in uh, this coming fall is that correct that's
1: that's right yes
0: mm-hmm.
1: Good. i'm obviously excited about that um yeah i i hope uh but i hope you know this funny you you call it dynamic and and that's i think that's maybe the best uh praise or uh, if it's not praise it's a you know uh uh commendation or whatever of the book that i could ask for that uh, dynamic ma i think mostly because i hope anyway that anybody that reads my experience sees that uh, there has been a change. There has been a dynamic that has occurred for me um, uh, so and I hope that the book does convey that that the you know there is a progression of thoughts and feelings throughout the book and um and sometimes those thoughts and feelings can be uh, uh, difficult to uh, write in the first place and to read or listen to in the second, and everybody needs a little time to digest uh, some of the thoughts and feelings people that have lost uh, a, a child a baby um, sometimes it's it 's difficult to really take in what uh, uh, you know the uh, the bereaved are, are saying you know so yeah. um, so I hope it is dynamic. I remember when you called me a a couple of weeks ago to schedule this, uh, the first time we actually spoke. And uh, you said, uh, you said, well, I'm reading your book, and I, I really think it's, I really like it. It's really, I think it's great. But then you stop, and you're like, ah, I don't know if that's the right word. I don't want to say great. And, but that's the dilemma of, of even writing it. You know, I don't want to say, oh, wow, good book, like you're reading a Stephen King novel or something, you know, that's not what it is, you know. Uh, so dynamic, I like that word. I think I'm going to start using it
0: well I, if i can just i don't want to talk about me at all here but because i am severely dyslexic um reading things is very challenging for me okay. um, i get tremendous headaches and stuff like oh that and even uh with that being said um writing uh, the, with the style that you have uh it comes very naturally it's all we're just you're just talking to me um across uh, you know, a a table with a cup of coffee, and mm. and I'm able to follow you. Um, mm. There are some books that are very challenging because my brain is wired a certain way, but your book right. flows, and and that's a very um, well, it's a very dynamic. Um, well, thank you. Um, writing skill. So, Mike, I'm going to go through this book a little bit uh, succinctly. Okay. Um, and, you know, just feel if I am going where I should not or um, you just, you know, I don't want to certainly uh, rile up any ill feelings or anything that you might not want to talk about. That's certainly okay here, okay? Okay, that's um, great. Thank gonna you. Yeah. Pro- I'm going to probably mention the page number for our um, uh, future listeners that when they get the book, they can refer to some of the pages that I've put down here. So on. Okay. In your prologue,
1: you stated that
0: you wanted to write a book for a long time, and on page three you said that uh, to start to understand your nakedness. What nakedness are you referring to?
1: Uh, Um... Shame, I think, uh, and and if I'm I'm trying to to find the spot myself, uh, um, as I'm looking through on a digital text here of, of the manuscript, um, I think shame. I think vulnerability. You know those things. Uh, you know you uh, uh, as being this open about loss and my life um, is not something that I. Really in, uh, embraced at first, you know. So um, to write a book, uh, okay. So I've always wanted to write a book, right? And I was looking for the the, the good story, you know, uh, you know, the great fiction. And uh, you know, it's interesting now that I've engaged this as my first real book, my first project. Um, I think that I was afraid to share with people my real thoughts or feelings. You know, fiction is one thing. I could write anything in fiction, and it's not me. It's, it's not real, you know. And, uh, and I realized that, that that was the writer's block, I think, that I, you know, the, the, I, probably the first rule of writing is write about what you know. And I never was. And when I finally undertook this project, um. I realized that wow, I have really got to bear myself right now, and for the first time, sort of uh, accepting that and and writing in that way, uh, it came very naturally. So and it felt good to um, to kind of let go a little bit of fear, shame, uh, those kinds of things. You know.
0: Well, you know, it, just to give you a little bit of background of myself is that my capstone project uh, when I attended Holy Apostles College and Seminary for my master's degree okay I developed a 12-step program similar to AA because I've been a member there for 35 years okay but I've always had on the back burner uh, writing about uh, my sister Michelle and that's what this uh, book is dedicated to um, uh, for my sister Michelle and that's this process of writing helps us to um kind of like prioritize a lot of thoughts that are just kind of thrown into a soup and we're able to kind of succinctly write these things down so that we can move forward not let go per say, mm-hmm. like when people say i want to move on that right. automatically throws it in a, in a kind of a dark place but when you say you move forward is that you 've organized some of these thoughts and feelings in their proper context, and that you're able now to be more of a channel of god 's peace rather than being all channeled up inside because there was no way or uh, to voice all of the feeling that you have for Sophia is right. that right
1: uh, without a doubt without yeah. a doubt,
0: yeah, so on page four, you say that this exercise is forcing you out of your ego, anger, and loss. Would you like to tell us what that means?
1: Well, I I I think that after some serious thought about this, um, I guess I've realized that I've probably had um, you know sadness for most of my life, and my Mm -hmm. sadness as a as a man or a boy uh, predated any substantial loss as far as uh, death in my life, right, Um, so I think that um, when I started to recognize that uh, losing a baby uh, devastated me and my wife, uh, that we were both deeply, deeply hurt by this, but I was acting out maybe in ways that weren't um, indicative of sadness or loss, Uh, they were It was rage and bitterness. And I discovered maybe that I was, um, uh, I don't want to say using, but misplacing anger and yeah. and um And I think that thinking about this i said wow that's you know it 's important that i 've kind of discovered this I hope, and now obviously the next step obviously is to uh, discover and adjust the way I deal with um, my sadness uh, whenever it might come up or uh, whenever I deal with an obstacle or a challenge in life is to deal with it in a way that I would say is fatherly, you know that if I have dealt with now or am dealing with my loss, uh, Sophia namely, uh, in a way like I have to remember that she's my daughter Mm. and um, uh, I have to deal with this in an appropriate way, I hope that I can now use that so uh, if I'm stuck in traffic or if, you know, my wife and I don't agree on something, you know, it's like I I can't behave out of... Uh, anger, you know, it's, it's got to be uh, a thoughtful um, response, and one that in the end is, uh, I mean, I, I feel like, uh, this is probably cliche to a lot of people, but to me it was one, it was a discovery, but I have to behave um, from a place of love and that's where i think this book really came from uh the book was not written in rage or anger uh certainly there's sadness in the book and that is uh, the origin of it but in the end the book uh, uh my book uh is reaching out it's it's love
0: yeah so this this you answer part of the second question i was going to ask so then okay you're basically saying that now at this age um, your perceptions to understand life in relationship to past events, uh, to this particular experience of loss, has given you a deeper appreciation for the meaning of joy and its transcendental connection with wisdom, connecting yourself with the past, the present, and certainly the future. Is that right? Uh,
1: yes. Yes. Uh, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Um uh, wisdom, uh, you have to learn a little. When you learn a little, you, you know you have some insight, and, and maybe it's, uh, I don't know where you get the insights. There are insights to be had all over, and I think that that's part of the book, is showing the different places um, right. I've picked a little something up here or there. Maybe it was something somebody said, or a, a kindness somebody performed for me. Uh, maybe it was something, you know, uh, you know, uh, I did out of anger that I, I stopped and I said, ah, see, now I shouldn't have done that. And I learned, you know, so wisdom probably first. got to learn a little. Um, and then when I learn a little, oh, and then joy, I hope, comes from it. Yes, without a doubt, wisdom and joy or um, mm-hmm. I hope, uh, the the means and the goals.
0: Mm-hmm. So on page 17, you commented that people feel unworthy of joy while they grieve. Why, why do you think so, and why do you feel worthy today? Is it uh,
1: what, make, oh, what wow. makes it right? That's a good question. <laughs> oh boy. Um, well, this is going to uh, be an
0: exercise, Mike.
1: <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Holy mackerel. Um, that is a good question. Okay. Uh, why, when we are. Uh, grieving um, and some griefs more than others but mm. I would think no grief is exclusive um, let's say uh, again I would use the word shame <clears throat> uh, there's guilt or well, I shouldn't say guilt because we were not guilty of our uh, daughter's uh, death we did not uh, cause it um, in any way uh, no. we felt shame and so shame is, you know, not actual guilt, right? So shame is the embarrassment we felt. You know, why couldn't we protect the baby? Why couldn't we take care of the baby? Um, what did I do wrong? Did I stress Tara out? Did I cause this in some way? Now, obviously, or I shouldn't say obviously, but the answer is no. Um, but when it happens, you certainly feel that way. And now, like I said, you know, people who have suffered a uh, stillbirth, a uh, fetal demise, whatever you want to call it, um, Uh, or an infant's uh, death, you know, uh, these are some of the most, um, you know, shame-laden grief experiences. You know, the one thing that we want to say we can do is take care of our child, and, uh, and, you know, to the world, it might seem like we didn't, uh, so we can feel embarrassed by that, you know. And I say, uh, but we're not, we don't, that embarrassment isn't exclusively ours um, think of how many elderly parents uh, so you have an elderly parent who passes away right and oh maybe I should have put her in a home oh maybe I should have kept him home with me maybe I should have given him uh, a, 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 a live-in nurse or something like that and we go through the same what ifs and I should haves no matter what the death is or the relationship is it's got to do probably in the end with some kind of unfulfilled love you know that you didn't get a chance to do this. Thing you wanted, um, and so you feel shameful about it. You know what I mean. Um, uh, So that's the shame I think at the time, and that shame uh, can probably last. I mean, I guess it's possible that it could last forever. You know, some if you if you don't deal with it, if you don't accept uh, it, it could last forever. You know, Um, but uh, why do I feel entitled to joy now? I don't know um, I could tell a long story uh, and give you a long answer i'll try and I'll try and give you the short version. Um, I don't know i got a I got a beautiful wife. she loves me to death. she's better to me than I deserve. I got uh, my little girls here with me that are just awesome. I got family and friends uh, that 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 you know are, are good to me and care for me at some point. And and the death of a child is all encompassing. I mean, it's everything. You you can't think of the world anymore without thinking of your baby. And and, it, and in that way, it can shatter what you thought you knew. But in some way, you know, afterwards, you I feel like I had to train myself uh, to make to, to make the answer short. I feel like I had to train myself and say, all right, what's good in my life right now? And uh, you know, you start to tally up what's good. And some people have a harder time seeing that than others. And I, at times, have a very hard time seeing uh, seeing what's good in life uh, through through no fault of life. You know, <laughs> it's it's me in my mind. I sometimes look at life through a very shadowed lens. You know, and uh, I got to count up all the good things. And sometimes it's a it's an actual exercise of laying in bed or sitting in the car and really going through. All right, what's good? And it's almost like counting them off. I got this. I got this. I got this. I got this. I think of all the horror stories, this could have happened, this could have happened, this could have happened, all the all right. things that make me feel negative, and I stop and I say, see, it didn't happen. It did, I thought it was going to happen, it didn't happen. And i got to train myself. Um, and I think <laughs> that, um, you know, like the, like the old expression, count your blessings, you know, um, right. I have, I've got a lot of blessings. So I think that's part of the, the process of my finding or feeling like I can experience joy.
0: Right, and so you're basically... Uh, from what I hear, is that you're saying you're um, that part of the wisdom uh, the um, serenity prayer, uh, the wisdom to note a difference. This is part of that process of um, grieving that you can understand the things that you can change. but there are also other things that you can't, but that gives you that wisdom to note a difference and to accept things, you know, even though we don't want to accept them. Uh, It can give us some kind of state of balance. That's good. So, Mike, um, you made mention that people's ID protects them from this joy. Why do you think people react that way? Hmm. I don't know.
1: Um, Sometimes, sometimes in in my book, I am indicating a. uh, You know, I'm trying to describe what happened and not always uh, without any real knowledge as to why things happened or or this was my experience or my feeling and i don't exactly know why uh but i would say uh our you know i think our whatever the the, the expression i used was our id kicks in or something like that and um i i think that it's um it's a reflex yeah i think it's a reflex it is like blinking the eyes when a speck of dirt you know pops up at you or or putting your arms up when somebody you know is is coming too quickly to you you know it's a reflex it's right. um i think that there's got to be some emotional mechanism and um that says all right I got to protect you right now, um, I mean you know numbness, this idea that when we say when you suffer a loss, a lot of people want to curl up and and stay home and all that kind of stuff, and that might as much as that 's not good for a prolonged amount of time, it is probably very good immediately you know um, to kind of just all right, go where it 's comfortable, uh, go where I feel safe you know give myself some space i think that that's probably part of the healing mechanism you know uh the problem is and this is with any life whether you suffered loss or not if you if you live in your id for too long i mean there's no real growth there's no real uh uh, dynamic in life you won't get relationships you know if you live in if you live in your id you're just protecting yourself all the time all you would do is eat and sleep you know what i mean Uh, and again I'm not an expert, you know, but uh, by any strict imagination, I'm not. I'm not trained as a psychiatrist, a psychologist, or anything. Um, but in my experience, um, uh, it felt like I, 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 It felt like a reflex. I, I, that's the way I would put it. You know, right. um, the, it felt like a reflex.
0: In step four, in Miracle Miracles, one of the steps that I talk about. Is uh, making a uh, searching and fearless examination of conscience. And that's what I go through, is understanding the subconscious, the id, the reflex mode of action, and stuff. And we are basically creatures of circumstances, not particularly of our environment, though that is a factor, mm-hmm. but circumstances. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. those circumstances, if they are good, uh, or evil or indifferent, it, it, it kind of pre-programs us to handle certain situations uh, as they arise. So on um, page 22, he uh, said, uh, after Sophia's departure, uh, perhaps the trickiest thing to navigate is the question of value. Mm. Uh, phil- philosophical arguments about regarding the nature And value of life, particularly unborn life, but also critical life, disabled life, end of life, terminal life, and vegetable life, and so on. But it's useless for me to explore those here because to Tara and me, Sophia had value. Even if that value was limited to potential, she had value. So I am aware a potential conflict between our assessments, of Sophia's value in others and that can be hurtful. So what um uh, what can be hurtful that others may or may not have an understanding of value from a spiritual sense that all life is sacred.
1: Sure, sure, absolutely. Um uh I'm you know I'm I'm brought up Catholic. I have a Catholic view of the world. Um but it does, it's not limited to, it doesn't have to be uh, limited to a religious value, right? So, mm, Tara and I uh, conceive, a baby is growing, uh, there are physical changes, obviously, you know that the baby is there, Uh, we have an ultrasound, we hear heartbeats, we get pictures, right? So, we get all of that stuff, and we start planning, and we start, uh, nesting, right? Um, we start thinking about all right, uh where are we gonna live? We need a new house. We can't live in an apartment anymore. It's a one bedroom apartment we need it we need to buy a home. We need to move, right? Uh, I mean, it doesn't take long after conception or or after that first you know, pregnancy test or that first uh ultrasound. It doesn't take long or it didn't take long for us to say, all right, well, what about college? Uh, you know, uh, where is she going to go to? Where is the baby going to go to school? Uh, you know, you start – that's all value to me. You know, okay. that's all, all of that thought, all of those hopes and dreams, mm-hmm. they have value you know, um, you tell a a kid that wants to go to such and such college, you tell a senior in high school that wants to go to such and such college um, and this kid gets rejected uh, and you say, oh, but I really wanted to go to uh, Yale, whatever, I don't know, uh, whatever, Um, uh, I really wanted to go to Yale, Uh, well, but you didn't really have it, so... there's no value. Yeah, but it was everything I wanted. You try and tell that kid that that dream was valueless, or that hope was valueless, and that would that would be probably a misguided way to try and help that kid deal with not getting into that school. Now I'm not comparing child loss to getting rejected from a from a college. I'm just saying that just because you don't have a thing doesn't mean it doesn't have value, right? Okay, so it, so in the book I I guess I'm trying to make that point first. Now after that, um the struggle um uh is I think sometimes <sighs> and And I'm not pointing fingers, right, and this is part of my uh being open to joy uh Mike is like not judging how people may have misstepped in dealing with our grief, you know, but um you know uh people don't see the baby mm-hmm. you know nobody saw nobody saw her except for me and tara and, and a couple of nurses, you know, a doctor and a couple of nurses we're the only people that saw her you know i you know a lot of people. Um, seeing is believing, you know, and um, uh, in order for somebody to have a value, uh, they need to experience, you know, um, uh, you know uh, they need to see the child. They need to see the child run. They need to see the human being do something, right, um, or have something or whatever it is. Uh, and that can be problematic because, well, I use like, for example, people say, oh, well, you'll have another baby you'll get pregnant again. And that's really, I guess, misguided because, or it hurt anyway, because there's says, no, 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 that's, that doesn't make me feel better. You know, that's, <laughs> I, she was my daughter. You know, she's gone. She's not replaceable. Sophia Michelle's not replaceable. You know, I held her. You don't need to have seen her, but I held her, you know. Mm-hmm. Tara and I saw her and touched her, you know. And I am not blaming anybody, but especially in the case of infant uh, uh, stillbirth, right, uh, uh, fetal demise, stillbirth, right, um, it's difficult for world, A, because it's horrifying to the world to see that mm-hmm. this most wonderful thing in life can happen, right? That, that's scary mm-hmm. for people, um, uh, one. Uh, but the other thing is they just, I just don't think they recognize that uh, there was a baby there. Yeah. You know um and uh, we you know we deliver the baby, you know yeah. um, you know uh so that's a conflict, and it's it, I, the, the the conflict I'm hoping to point out is, i mean, what death is a good death, yeah. and that's going to be like your healthy long lived Parent or grandparent who has a peaceful death at home or in a bed, um, you know that's that's the death everybody's very happy about and everybody can talk about, you know. But it's so so it's like I'm I'm really want to make sure that I'm not um, excluding anybody's experience because it's it's not an exclusive experience for the the parent of a still stillborn. Um, uh, the idea is that all deaths are difficult. All deaths make us feel. Shortchanged in some way. The the unique problem for the stillbirth is that people, uh, sometimes people don't accept that that baby had value in its, uh, I don't know, quantifiable terms, you know what I mean?
0: so, um, tell the listeners um how often do you visit uh, St Charles cemetery and, uh, yeah and and the second part is uh, why do you value having a funeral and uh, a yeah. final resting place for Sophia as you well know that a lot of Christians today uh uh believe that uh, laying a person uh, at rest um, really doesn't have any value um uh, they a lot of times um, put their loved ones uh, in an urn up on the mantle, and which I've noticed that has um, has caused a lot of um, problems for people who have gotten away from sacred tradition. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Um, I, I, as far as the tradition of it, I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I don't know if I can comment on tradition, other than that I'm just so steeped in tradition that I probably didn't give it a second thought. Um, uh, To have a funeral was important to me and Tara uh, because we wanted a place that we and others could go um, to see uh, Sophia um it is now the only place that anybody can go to see her you know and people do go you know my parents go my in-laws go uh from time to time uh somebody that we know in the in the in the quote unquote saint charles cemetery neighborhood uh from time to time people will leave a little flower for her or a little marker or something you know so people do go when tara and i first we're going. Uh, so 10 years ago when Tara and I would first go to the cemetery, we used to leave um, by her marker, um, uh, a, a, I don't know, like dollar store bubbles or whatever, you, you know, these little, you know, kid bubbles, whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and we used to have dozens of these bottles we'd just keep at the house and we'd go to the cemetery and we'd blow bubbles and we'd uh, and we leave a, a, um, we'd leave a bottle there you mm. know and we'd bump into people, like friends of ours maybe, and they'd say oh we, we were at the cemetery the other day, we blew bubbles for Sophia and no. how is that not awesome?
0: Yeah, you yeah. know,
1: that's awesome, yeah. right? so I don't know anything about, or I should say I don't know enough to comment, you know, if somebody wishes to have um, a cremation or whatever, or to have an urn, I think that maybe that has a special um... value or symbolic value to have that but to me, um, and, and it was, uh, again, a conflict, but, uh, because it was not really a public funeral. It was really just us, you know, my wife and me and our parents and siblings. That, that was all. You know, we didn't really notify anybody, and I, and I go into that in the book a little bit uh, as to how that was difficult. But, um, but uh, it is public, and she's in a place, and it made us feel, I don't know, it was emotional, obviously, but I looked. I used to look forward to going. You know, we yeah. would go every Saturday or Sunday, yeah. and we would just sit, and um, we would just sit. And if it rained, we sat in the car. And if it snowed, uh, there were times I brought snow shovels uh, to, to the cemetery and, mm. and, you know, shoveled out a little path and a little place for Tara and I to sit. And, um, and so we went every to answer your question, I'm sorry, but uh, we went every week uh, easily for, gosh, I don't know. I would say years, really. Uh, now we've got two kids, and it is definitely harder. Uh, we, we started bringing our older daughter Charlotte when she was, you know, not a baby anymore. Um, Tara and I, when, when Charlotte was a baby, Tara and I would take turns, you know, week to week. I'd stay home with the baby, Tara would run over. Uh, then Tara would stay home with, the, with, with Charlotte, and I'd run over. You know, we'd take turns. Uh, and that was difficult, not going with each other. Uh, we went for months and months and months and months. We went with each other, no matter what. Right, and then all of a sudden we had to do it by ourselves, and we both had guilt issues. Like, why don't we just get a babysitter? To, why don't we just call her grandparents and let her? We should be going together. We should be going together, right? Uh, so this is just amazing that something that brought us so much joy as a going to a cemetery then caused us guilt. So that's
0: uh, how chaotic
1: the experience is, you know. Uh, but obviously now the girls are older, and it's harder for us to, you know, they're busy. They got swim. They got uh, you know, uh, gymnastics. They got this, that, and the other thing. So it's harder. So uh, we go less frequent. That also was something we had to deal with the guilt. Uh, oh, we don't go anymore. I hope we're not forgetting her, uh, things like that. But we are not forgetting her. That is something we right. had to, uh, we, we just uh, had to convince ourselves we are not forgetting her. Go ahead. Sorry.
0: Yeah, <laughs> from our own past experience when Michelle died, we you know, she was cremated, and we had her okay. in the home, and we could see how the tension in the family grew and grew and grew, and a priest friend of ours said, Mike, you really need to bury her um, Lay her to rest, and in words, we're going to touch on language pretty soon. Um, but certain words we take for granted. But yes, uh, going to the cemetery, I get there by myself, and or with my mom or whoever my wife. And uh, you know, we say prayers, and we, you know, maybe shed a tear or two. But it's it's a, it's an important step to the process of grieving and mourning. So as a parent, Mike, um, your belief uh, gives you. Now, value, right? As a kid, your sense of value then was unclear because you lacked a sort of wisdom to know the difference. Would that be correct to say? Uh, sure. Yeah. Right. Okay. Good. So it's it's kind of we're we're gonna move into Gigi Ma, um, yeah. <laughs> soon. So you know a lot of these questions are preemptive. Uh, so you said in the book, it seems to me that I hope for shared experiences of pain and recovery between me and Tara. At, and at first, that's the case. Our loss seemed to be in against us, against the world, a um, fair until we had our first disagreement about uh, whatever nonsense like uh, dinner or mm-hmm. uh, or back facing the toilet paper. Maybe it was <laughs> more substantial intimacy or communication or maybe something insensitive uh, was said about feelings or loss or healing. But before long, our Partners can at times seem like part of the world we were just recently combating uh, together. Before long, our partners, in the tragedy of loss like ours, can seem so distant that we're not sure things could ever be the same again. So, is it normal what you say that couples who have lost a loved one? Mm-hmm. uh goes through this stage of grieving um, to recovery that it's not unusual for couples to experience this sort of separation at times oh, of course it's
1: not unusual no, of course not it's not un- mm-hmm. it, it's not unusual it is the standard right i mean it right. is it is what will happen um or should happen in fact um uh i, I mean needless to say. The death of a child can devastate couples, and uh, I think uh, uh, I think it's one of the uh, you know most common causes of uh, you know a a couple separating. Um, I think uh, I think money is number two, and the death of a child is number one. I, and again, I'm I, you know you could look it up, but you know it's all I'm saying is it's it's up there, right? And um, And so, just like any of the experiences um, with grief, which are common, many of them can be problematic, right? So, uh, you know, you, you, you suffer the death of a child, and the first initial reactions are you're like cling on to each other you cling to each other and that feels good and you say wow we really love each other look how strong we're being but that passes pretty quickly right Mm -hmm. and then you start to argue and it might just be a normal argument that you would have had you know six weeks ago before your loss and it would have made you think nothing about it and you would have ended up uh, ordering a pizza and having a glass of wine or uh, you know going for a walk or whatever you do to to Mm -hmm. remind each other that you're there for each other right um, but now all of a sudden everything is on uh, high alert and um, and you have an argument and you say oh that's because of, uh, of our loss see we're angry at each other right so now that's normal that's the standard like I said it's not unusual at all but I think because that's one of the hard parts and it feels like separation it feels like you know uh, discord um I think that culturally we say uh-oh. Here we go. We now listen, if you're going to have a if somebody is going to die, eh, just get along. Do everything you can. Just get along. No, 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 no. I mean if you're going to disagree, you I mean, right Mike, it's like yeah. Tara and I have had two very different healing processes. We both heal in very different ways. Sometimes doing things differently together is better than making the other person do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Or it, maybe that's always the case, right? I mean, we shouldn't I shouldn't never be making Tara, look, we got to do this, we got to do and trust me, I've said it, right? I've said it. I've said, "Tara, you know, we got to do this." And it's like there should be alarm bells going off in my mouth. Saying, "No, no, 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 no." She doesn't have to do anything. Just do with each other and be together. And I think that that's, I hope, our process now is support each other, be with each other, love each other. It's all right for us to be different um, and to do things differently. Uh, You know, she says, I I was, I was, uh, talking, uh, I gave a talk a week ago on, on uh, s- s- uh, you know, grief, and my wife comes with me, and it's difficult for her to attend something like this because it's sad, and it's, you know, she has to go through it again, right? So uh, I just said to her, I said, her, you know, I just want to say thanks for coming and always being okay with this, you know? And she says, I'm not okay with it. <laughs> you know, she's like, I'm not okay with it. I, I come with you. I support you. But it hurts. And I could never do it. you know. right. That's what she, she says. I could never talk to people the way you talk to people about this And I said well, that's all right, you know, uh, that's all right so that so it, we have two and it's strange because we Culturally think of separation as some kind of exclusivity, you know, like when we are separate We are just on different planets and we can't even talk right um, and it's scary to have that feeling but in our marriage I think, and this is probably more me than Tara, uh, i 'm the pig headed one um, uh, I had to realize she doesn 't have to go through this the same way I do and um, and I think when we learn that um, uh, w- uh, healing and and coping is is better uh, yeah, don't, so, be yeah, so. of, don't be afraid don 't be afraid of. Of the um disagreements uh be be afraid of yelling and screaming, be afraid right. of uh of leaving the house, you know things like that those things uh bothered me uh but in the end uh stay together
0: mm-hmm. so on page twenty nine um, you you comment on thinking is a petri dish for every guilt created every shame felt, but at the same token, you say that it's it um it comes uh every it it basically uh, generates a saving grace. It's the place where our intellection is able to, through that wisdom, to know the difference, understand Mm -hmm. that there's graces and hope that are realized. Uh, But why do you feel that, um, you know, most people uh, generally feel guilty after losing a loved one?
1: I, uh, I... Well, I think it's probably got to do with responsibility, that we feel responsible. Um, mm-hmm. And in cases where we're not responsible, uh, where there's no possible, you know, n- nothing that you could say you're, po- you're responsible for, you feel, um, you know, uh, a, a lost connection or opportunity, you know. Um, uh, you know, um, I don't know, a parent dies you know, Mm -hmm. and you say that that's a natural thing and everybody should be okay with that, but uh, what if I didn't get to say I love you? What if, you know, and let's say I said I love you uh, every day for forever, right? But Mm -hmm. on the day mom or dad passes, I didn't get to say I love you that day. That's a feeling of loss. And while it's not guilt in the... You know, I caused this, you know, as a right, uh, it's guilt as in I feel bad because something's incomplete, you know. Um, would my saying I love you have made that person's passing um, better? you know we feel we feel responsible in some way you know uh, i why is it i don't know uh, maybe we respo- feel responsible for all loss you know um mm-hmm. no man is an island you know john Dunn, right, right? Uh, no man is an island we, we feel loss uh, a part of us a part of us dies you know a part of us suffers and um maybe the physical guilt of another manifests itself in us as um feelings of guilt
0: yeah I got a chuckle out of your story of losing your Mako Shark Corvette matchbox. <laughs>
1: See,
0: I lost my marbles at an early age. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> um, yeah, but I could feel for you because uh, matchboxes were very dear to me. But on page 58, mm-hmm. I was really struck by this. Um, paraphrasing your pastor's um, homily on Christmas, you said that. uh mm. Um, What he says, uh, thanks for coming, even though I know how bad you're hurting right now, how much you think your prayers failed you, how much your attendance at church did nothing for you, how much the church or your faith failed you, how much God failed you. Thanks for coming because somehow, I'm willing to bet, we both know that the help you're looking for is still here in church with these parishioners and all of their pains and losses and sorrows. The abandonment you feel is helped here. Thank you for being with us. So, Mike, why do you believe, if you do, uh, is uh, why is fellowship in Holy Mother Church important in the process of recovery, uh, whether grieving the loss of a loved one or from others, some kind of traumatic experience or behavior that is unbecoming? Mm-hmm right
1: uh that's right, or behavior that's unbecoming that's right um, uh, i don't know, and i will uh, but but I will say that you know um i don't know in, in your introductory remarks, you know uh you talked about uh, you said something about unity, right, um, so you can find unity in lots of places, you know uh you might have uh a tight knit you know, network, group of people that you work with, uh, maybe your family, you know, um, right? But, uh, you know, I think that that unity is important, <clears throat> and it's good to have a network, and it's good to have your group. And I have my group. I had my group at the time, although sometimes you are not certain you have that group. Uh, if The you know, death of a child can throw that into uh, doubt, right? Okay, the relationships can sometimes become... Tricky, right? Uh, but uh, Tara and I had each other. Uh, I think we had our families, which were all important for us, right? Okay. So let's just imagine it's like I don't know. I mean, me. I'm writing a book. Okay. So uh, I don't know. When I was uh, 20 years old, I wrote a little story, and I and I. Who do I show it to? I show it to my sister. I show it to my mother. You know. And oh, it's so nice. They love it. So if, that is your, if that's your network, your family, your friends, the people that are closest to you, that's important and you need it. But to me, the community network, for example, a church, uh, is the next step. It's the chance you get to go outside of that they're going to love you no matter what group. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in many respects. The in in this respect, in my in my experience, the church, right, going to church uh, on those times where I said this, they're here for me, or or, or that Christmas mass specifically, um, uh, they don't have to love me, they don't have to accept me the way my family does. Um, uh, they're strangers, but those strangers, for some reason, uh, care. And that's good to know, I think. Or it was good for me to know that there were people who didn't have to love me still cared. And that
0: was important. So can we draw parallels between uh, church and uh, a person's nakedness?
1: How so? How do you mean?
0: Well, we come to church um, to be healed, um, to be um, uplifted. and with that being said, we come in from a position of falling. So our nakedness is fallen mm-hmm. and it's only right. through receiving the sacrament of reconciliation and the Eucharist uh, that our nakedness is made whole by the body right. of Christ. Yes,
1: yes, yes. Well, well, Mike, right? So if you remember, we, and we were just talking about it before, but uh, in, that, in that very oh, the prologue, the opening, the, the very beginning, I talk about, you know, Having an understanding of the title of this book, where are you? And and that's from from the, the Genesis you know right. story where God says, "Hey, where'd you go?" You know, and He's looking for Adam and Eve, and they're hiding naked. You know, they're hiding because they were ashamed of their nakedness. So that's I mean, quite literally, what you're saying right now is, you know, in, in biblical terms or in in the terms of the church, you know, uh, that uh, faith can call us from shame. And help us uh, with those feelings without a doubt.
0: And it helps us to examine our conscience. So um so Mike, um on page sixty five you spoke about great your great grandma, right? Am I saying that now? Right? Uh, well
1: she yes, but yes, but she is my grandmother. Yeah. Uh she's yeah. my grandmother, but when she started having grandchildren she became yeah. Yeah. Great Grandma Gigi, so we yeah. called her Gigi Ma. Yes. Yeah. yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. And having nine children of her own, and she had lost <laughs> uh, two. Yes. Yeah, um, that's right. Her her last words of faith were, uh, "Your baby is still with you, Michael. She'll always be with you. She's with the saints and the angels now, and they are always with us. I know it." And Gigi um, Ma, uh, did she give you a sense of courage? Um, you believe today because she believed.
1: I, uh, without a doubt, uh, I think that, uh, I mean, if you, I, uh, I wish everyone could have met my grandmother. Yeah. She was, is special, you know? She was just that kind of a, she was that kind of a woman and, uh, she was strong and courageous, and smart, and funny, and and I'm I, everybody thinks of their grandparents this way. I get it, and, and I and I agree. And I'm not saying my grandmother's any better than anybody else's grandma, but uh, she was a she was a card, you know. She was a character, um, and people that met her knew there was something about her, you know. Mm-hmm. And um, and uh, you know, yes, she was courageous, and I would like to think that a lot of my uh, a lot of my heart comes from her, you know, right. um, that it's, uh, yeah, yeah, she was a pretty special
0: person. So on that same page, you um, you saw um, your grandma uh, last in, in the hospital, and you you write here, you were walking down to the car where Tara and Sharper and were waiting. You said, I should have told them to go home, and I'll wait to see my grandma die, like I may, maybe owe it to her, but... I also owe it to be with my immediate family. So my question is, what value did you place upon that decision that made it the right decision for you at the time? Ooh, wow!
1: All right. So, so the the conflict at that time uh, is is you know okay. So my grandmother is dying, and uh, you know. I want to be with her, but I also have a wife and a baby in the car waiting for me. Now, in hindsight, maybe I could have planned it better and it wouldn't have been a conflict, but um I'm not a very good planner, I guess. But uh uh so the conflict is do I stay here and wait for her wait for my grandmother to pass or do I go live with my baby and my wife. Uh, now, keep in mind, this is all sort of retrospective, right? I, I can't right. imagine that I was really thinking it at the time, but now thinking back, and you know, um, uh, that was the conflict. And in a strange way, maybe that's uh, you know, now it's a couple years, obviously a few years after we have lost Sophia. Charlotte is, uh, uh, I would say, she's about a year and a half. Uh, maybe, um, or so. I don't exactly remember, right? Um, But in a strange way, it's like, okay, Gigi Ma is is passing. But I said goodbye. You know, I told her I loved her. I gave her a kiss. She's got people with her. In a strange way, it it was like a demonstration of letting go and holding on to what I have. And maybe I beat myself up about it at times. But in the end, um, I... Uh, it was a good goodbye, and um, the number one place for me to be is with Karen uh, and, and my kids. And so, uh, you know,
0: and so it, so we can throw we can um, draw a parallel between God does for us what we cannot do for ourselves, in the sense that when you make that decision, the same decision I had to make with my sister. We won't go into that right now, but there are some certain responsibilities and duties as you've already spoken about that. Um, God helps us to make decisions, even though we possess free will. I do believe that God is doing for us what we can or can at the time do for ourselves because it is so emotionally charged mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, why did um, Why did you state that there are some people who really know it 's okay to die in your opinion? Uh, what spiritual qualities does a terminal ill patient have that allows them to move forward in your journey to depart this world? Uh, I don't know.
1: Uh, I, I say I don't know, and then I give a five-minute answer. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, what are my thoughts? What are my thoughts? Uh, my grandmother was uh uniquely spiritually uh in touch uh, and i i couldn 't begin to explain it really because uh, just because that's that 's what being so spiritually in touch is i mean she was devout yeah. um, uh, but she was um very 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 smart very 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 thoughtful you know read red 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 right uh read the bible as much as she would read, uh, you know, uh, science journals, you know. Uh, she taught herself calculus, you know what I mean? She was just a really smart, worldly person. Um, but her faith was above all things. And, uh, I mean, I, I remember talking to my dad about it, and my dad said she was ready. She was ready to to go with God. And, um, look, I tell you that I believe in God. I tell you that I believe in heaven. I, I tell you... You know that I believe Sophia's in a place, and I believe uh, Gigi Ma's in a place, right? Um, that's a that's a song I sing, and someday I will. It will be time for me, and I'll let you know how much I believe it. Then it's scary. It's scary. I think that going to the unknown. Uh, you know, I I mean, like I said, I'm Catholic, but I don't know where. You know, I don't know where I would place my faith, you know, what what number out of ten, you know, because it's hard, you know. But I'm probably in the middle somewhere that I'm trying and I'm searching and I'm struggling and, and all that kind of a thing. And when, when you're up against death, I mean, you've got to ask yourself, is heaven going to be there for me? And I think only a few of the most faithful, devout, and and centered people can can really accept that. I hope to be that way. I hope I have a long time to work on it. Um, but you know, there are people that believe truly in the soul, and um, and it's a it's a work. You know, I think that you have to work on it.
0: And um, in one of the lines, it came it, it, it's reference from John uh, sixteen thirty, that God does not ask us to understand, but just to believe. And I think that you know when you uh, talked about uh, your grandma, how they took the two babies away, and she didn't even get the, a chance to see them or hold them. Um, mm-hmm. There's a sense of um, belief there, a faith that is, um, as you would say, is it's filled with uh, courage, and also the wisdom to know the difference that they, um, you know, they just you know continue to move forward and uh, to do what they can, That's like you did when you were walking down from the hospital, um, you know, what's immediate? Um, you know, what's my number one priority today? And right. this is what I have to tend to. And and we we're all right. faced with those kinds of decisions. So on page sixty eight you said that you hope that there that the power of the human soul contains actual hope for eternal joy and peace, referring to your friend Brian Doyle who believed right up to his own departure. Is that right. what you believe today? That the the, uh, the human soul does contain uh, an eternal sense of uh, joy?
1: Well, absolutely. I mean, I my that yes, yes. That's that's a short answer. Yes, um, yeah. I do believe that. But uh, you know, death, grief throws that into question for sure. You know, um, we are all, you know. I I would like to think that we are all, at times in our lives, uh, Thomas, doubting, you know?
0: Right, but that's also an answer to why you and Tara released the doves. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's mm-hmm. to continue that healing process. Is that correct? Without a doubt. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I, I found it very moving. Um, I've been in your position before um, that your career, career of choice as a teacher... Uh, enabled you to become, um, at times, a, kind of like a bereaved counselor. You, you're able to identify with those who, who have or are having um, uh, suffering a loss, uh, particularly the story that you uh, made mention of the, the student's mother who is worried about a son
1: right, who, right uh, yep.
0: who lost his dad and struggling with his grief. Are you able to offer a sense, well, you're able to offer a sense of realism to those hurting uh, when you said, which I thought was very, very very uh, to the point it, again it's that uh, man touching the finger of God go ahead and cry and um do, do you do you want to really stop crying you know it's which was a rhetorical question which mm-hmm. to me it 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 just demonstrates your willingness to be in a sense naked uh, vulnerable but also offering up uh, to help somebody else that you know is going through a um, some kind of crisis in her own life.
1: Well, you know, um, I remember that that uh, that conference with that parent uh, vividly, and I'll never forget it. And what I remember even more even more so than the conversation that she and I had is that I mean, it was um, a f- my heart was pounding as she's talking, and she, I, I can see she is looking to be, uh, to have an experience with someone. She's looking for some kind of connection. I could see it. You know, I could feel it. My heart's pounding because I have something to tell her. I could I just tell her, just tell her about my brother, you know, tell her about his death and my feelings. Just tell her, you know. That's the nakedness, right? That's the shame. Oh, but I better not. I better not. It's, it's, it's not appropriate. You know, she's here for her son. Don't tell her about my problems. But my heart is pounding. What, what about, you know, the, the potential to make a connection with somebody?
0: Right. You know,
1: here this woman is struggling, and maybe I could reach out and say, hey, I hear you, you know. Um, and, and so I took a chance, and I, and I said so you know and I, I so i told her about uh, quickly about my brother and and um and i don't know if it resolved anything right i don't know if it, i don't i don't remember what happened to the kid he could have failed for all i remember i i really don't you know um but i know he must have been going through a world of hurt and the mother was too and i would like to think that she remembers the conversation i don't know i um i just had a really really i'm sorry can i can i uh, just say something or are we
0: on time mm-hmm. Well, uh, we're, um, we have about maybe I'll stretch it to another thirty minutes. I know Sebastian's pulling his hair out, but um, <laughs> he's just, you know he's going to have to. do All right.
1: Well, my <laughs> my point is, uh, I'll I'll make it very quick. The other night, I gave a talk about grief, and somebody from the audience came up to me and and said, "Hey, I don't know, but if I don't know if you remember, but uh, and he he remembered my brother. Yeah. And it was." You know, it was profound. You know, and it's those little human connections. And I think, in the end, why I'm writing a book is because uh, those connections thrill me. And I hope to make connections through this book. I hope I, I'm introducing people to my daughter. And uh, if my experience with grief can help anybody, that's that's wonderful. But first and foremost, uh, this is my baby.
0: So Sophia's departure has enabled you, um, as you wrote in uh, on page 72, that. Uh Brian, your brother's death is uh becoming clearer in your healing mm-hmm. process that it's like full circle. So Sophia is basically uh helping you uh yes, to find yes. closure with your brother.
1: I, I love to think of it that way, yes, mm-hmm. to think of my little girl helping me do something mm-hmm. is empowering, yes.
0: Right. So it's a it's a legacy. So Mike, do you think that the power of the human soul not to forget is a gift from the Holy Spirit which would make us the center of creation that we are created with a purpose?
1: Well, it feels like a curse, I'll tell you that much at first, right? (laughs) It It feels like a curse, right? You want to, I can assure you, I've asked myself a million times, why can't I just forget? If I just forgot, it wouldn't hurt anymore, you know? Uh, But yes, without a doubt, um, remembering is absolutely a blessing, and uh, I thank God that i remember the things that i've been able to remember and i'm sad about the things i forget you know there are things about my brother brian that you know i say, Oh, i wish i remember that you know um and after the initial injury of loss uh... That, that's another set of injuries forgetting things you know do i really remember the sound of his voice you know yeah. what i mean um... and that's that's tough you know i remember tara um after we lost the baby i remember her saying you know uh, i'm afraid i'll forget what she looks like and i say you'll never forget what she looks like because we have a picture of her uh... you know an actual picture of her you know um... and so you won't but but it does if it weren't for that picture yeah you might you yeah. know um... and that forgetting Uh, In the end, after all, that forgetting makes death even more permanent than you thought it was.
0: You know what I mean? So tell our listeners um, how powerful was it for you and Tara to see Sophia's name written in the sands that others... actually did get to see
1: sure sure yeah well um i mean it was awesome i remember the first person we saw is a friend of ours who we knew in a bereavement group she had uh, her daughter's name written in the sand and we said oh man that's beautiful and so we go on this website and we sent in our our name and when it came up you know it so, so that's the thing, right? So a minute ago, I say forgetting makes death seem more permanent than it even was in the first place. Um, so any remembrance, anything that you can get that helps you remember, so it's a name in the sand, or, or uh, you know, um, I don't know, uh, a bracelet, uh, or anything like that that you have that will make it permanent, uh, mm-hmm. makes you feel better. I mean, obviously. Y- y- you have to, you know, recognize that it's 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 not a replacement, of course, um, uh, but it uh, it does help. Yes. Good.
0: Um, we have about maybe 20, 25 more minutes, Mike. So okay. I have two and a half pages left to go, and um, okay. I, I really have a mission here, and um, okay. I kind of <laughs> I kind of laugh about that, um, but there is a. a, a a means to my madness with some of this. So you talk about Sophia's departure um it, that's given you a balance. Uh, what do you mean by balance on page 80? What and you say it's how it's making you better.
1: Oh, now you're uh now you're really pushing me. I you you, you I, I got to remember my own manuscript now. Um <laughs> uh, I, Can I I tell don't you I a don't quick?
0: Quick quick joke, Just, when I run my bereavement meetings and people read the steps, they they are so overwhelmed. They said, you wrote this? I said, <laughs> well, I know, I don't even believe it myself, and my wife doesn't believe it either. <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs>
1: Uh, that's funny, um, I, I, uh, but, but you're right, uh, you, uh, you realize that you put everything down in a book, and, and I will tell you, I don't have a great memory in the first place, right, uh, but you realize, that I or I am realizing, that everything I put down in the book, I said, first of all, it was written back over the summer, you know, August, so we're, we're pushing a year now, and, uh, and I'm forgetting a lot of what I wrote, uh, but, but the balance that you're asking about is, um, I am feeling that I suffer anxiety less in these past couple of years than I did in the previous
0: mm-hmm.
1: several right so what i'm I'm talking now now uh, anxiety to me is a feeling of imbalance right uh it has physical symptoms uh obviously um and so i'm I'm feeling that less uh I would like to think that writing this book has made me more thoughtful. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've, I've, been chal- I've challenged myself and I have been challenged by others to consider my actions and my thoughts. Um, and I would like to think that, uh, yeah, I mean, in a, in a crazy way, and I wish it didn't have to be this way, and this is part of the healing process, I wish that I had all three of my girls here with me. You know what I mean, mm-hmm. um, but in a way, is it possible that my baby is helping me find balance and peace? I would love for that to be true. Yes. Yes.
0: Um, I, we don't have much time to talk about your toy dr- uh, drive, but folks, no, uh, no, 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 yes. listening. Yeah, the folks that are listening, uh, Mike has a toy uh, drive with uh, Tara. Could you give us that contact uh, number and the time and the location so uh, people who want to participate um, can? Well,
1: I'll tell you what. The best thing to do is um, probably just my email address um, is michaeljflood zero one at com. Um uh we do it every December uh, it is a toys for tots toy drive we 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 donate all of the toys to toys for tots uh we host it at a local Knights of Columbus uh, if anybody's in the area or wants to uh, mail. Uh, I don't know, send me an email in October or November, and uh, you know, we'd love to have you, but really I hope even more so than collecting toys is uh, for people to realize, you know, you don't know you, Mike, you don't know how many people have come to this thing and said, I didn't realize people do this. Yeah. You know? Like we're, we're celebrating our baby, and um, it's her legacy, you know, and a lot yeah. of people come, I didn't, I didn't realize you could remember your loss this way.
0: Yeah. So here's a question on page 85. You said, I have to be okay with the idea that Sophia's memory inspires me to do rather than to tear down or destroy or to withdraw. So Mike, can you synthesize any parallels between the sense of responsibility or duty? When you um, made your decision to return back to Tara and, and Charlotte? Who are sitting in the car waiting for you at the hospital, and how your uh, great-grand or your grandmother uh, continued moving forward even after having lost two of her own children, is—is um, is it a sense of faith and trust that inspires you to move forward uh, in these decisions? Or uh,
1: uh, yes, uh, short answer, yes. Uh, faith, trust. Uh, I think. Both and I'll use the word again, and I hope it's not cliche and you know, but it's love, you know that saying good leaving my grandmother that night to go be with my my wife and my daughter both were acts of love, mm-hmm. you know and i think that if you've got a multiple choice and all four choices are love you can't go wrong you know um uh it would be different if i was neglectful um if i didn't want to say goodbye to my grandmother and was avoiding her in some way or if i wanted to stay with my grandmother because i was avoiding my family you know then that's that would be the problem right uh but both and the way i i rationalize or justify or or you know get a grip on on that conflict at the time was to say i love my wife and i love my kid and i want to go i'm going to go and i and i love my grandmother and i gave her a hug and a kiss and as far as goodbyes go uh that might have been as good as it could get you know Um, so
0: um i want to talk about the importance of ivy diamonds bereavement uh uh, being uh such a big help um why is it important to have a spiritual uh, director leading these groups? And uh, why do you believe that Ivy continued to relive the pain associated with the death of her own loved one, but still continue to offer up her time and insight to brief parties? Is that the same thing that you're doing with the toy drive?
1: I I would say, yeah, sure. And again, it's got to do with remembrance, you know. Uh, We have enough, I think we have enough horrifying thoughts of our losses. Of the damage the loss has done in our lives, I think we've got enough of that. So when you have a chance to uh, live it well, right, and 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 remember your loss in a productive way, um, it can be hugely beneficial.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh,
1: and I think I mean I would ha- I would be speaking obviously for her, you know, and and I shouldn't do that, but I would expect that Ivy recognizes that her loss is helping others, and that is uh, a great a great outcome, you know. Um, And so, yes, the toy drive or this book um, or on the few occasions where I've been able to deliver an address to a a bereavement group or something, uh, yeah, I would like to think that I am helping myself by remembering my daughter and helping others by, you know, uh, being present, you know, uh, um, being part of a group that other people can feel uh, comfort in, you know what I mean.
0: So, as you commented, that uh, Sophia's departure um, opened your narrow lens to a broader lens to see tragedy in a better way. So, in a sense, you're looking at things like Ivory Diamond has or does, mm-hmm. or without like a, a grandmother, or like a grandmother, without a doubt.
1: So, yeah. so you know, and now, now your question a minute ago was, why is it necessary? Uh, say, to have a spiritual or group director, bereavement director, somebody like that, uh, because it's a model, uh, you know, it's a model, it's an example, right? Um, There are plenty of people who suffer something or do something wrong or or have something in their lives that go wrong, and maybe they go out with their drinking buddies,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: you know? What model is that? You know, maybe, um, uh, maybe all they do is uh, go to work, bury themselves at work, you know. Um, uh, and, and I'm not judging those things necessarily, right? But the point is, as far as dealing with grief, uh, experiencing grief, what is the model, And I believe that Ivy provided us a model of goodness and care. And, you know, uh, yes, I think that that's what such a person can do for uh, the briefed.
0: Right. And and in my own groups, I I tried to select certain phrases or words um, to give a more of a objective um, understanding. And that's where you talk about language uh, defines reality and, Certain perspectives. So, if we're using certain words or phrases uh, rather than death and dying, like I like to use the word "departure," because really, mm. departure is really more of a um, the the actual uh, sense of a person. Where you know our Catholic faith helps us to understand that you know the body uh, dies, but the spirit uh, lives for all eternity, whether it's hell or in heaven. But That's right. uh through the second coming of Christ, uh, we're gonna be rejoined with our bodies again. So when you really kinda of think about it, it's kind of a the departure. Um it's kind of I say this sometimes in the groups that it's like almost in a sense a bus trip. Or well, my son is right now in 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 um Nebraska and we okay. talk okay. but we don't yeah. see him. Right. So there is right. a sense of departure, but we know he's still there in our lives. So right um you did comment that you know language can be at times subjective um but i think what i hear from you is that you're becoming more objective in your understanding on how words define certain feelings places and things events circumstances um and And that having this wisdom to know the difference gives you more of a latitude to open up that lens a little bit more. Would you say that's true? Uh, Without a doubt.
1: Yeah. I mean, um, you know, the the words words matter. Uh, You know, words matter. Uh, You know, you find uh, you know uh, in our house, you know, Tara and I, when we had our kids and we started, you know, of course it's not perfect, but we tried really hard, you know, to instill in our kids, you know, don't say hate. You know, if you don't like something, say you don't like it. That's fine, but don't say hate, you know. Uh, We just don't want to use the word because it's so heavy, you know, and words matter that, you know, somebody who says, I hate this, I hate that, I hate this, and you say hate 30, 40, 50 times a day, well, there's a chance you might not be feeling so good about things, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, So, so yeah, I think words absolutely matter. I think the words we use affect us, uh, but... And I also I, I do talk about this in the book. I mean, you can't lie to yourself, obviously. You know, um, and, and people do that. I I do that, uh, or have done that. You know, absolutely. You know, you you tell yourself something that is probably not true. You know, uh, for example, uh, you know, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine. You know, how many times I said that over the years? I'm fine. Everything's good. I'm fine. But but Mike, you're getting angry at everything. You Mike, you're having anxiety. Mike, you're stressed out. Mike, you're moody. I'm fine. I'm fine. Leave me alone. I'm fine. You know what I mean. So that's a lie, you know, right? I didn't really believe what I said. So your words, your words mean something. Uh, your words, your words matter if you mean them. I guess is probably the better way to say that, right?
0: So this predisposition predip- uh, to sadness that you talked about in the beginning of the book is basically um, slowly changing for the better because your understanding, your your sense of compassion for others is more of a of a Prophetic nature is that? Would you say that's true?
1: Well, I hope. Yes, I mean, I hope. Yeah.
0: So on um, Father Spitzer on EWTN, um, which Mm -hmm. I watch him as often as I can, says the highest Mm -hmm. virtue uh, is compassion for others Mm -hmm. and. compassion in of itself is a reciprocation or reciprocates uh, reflects or is God's nature the, the command to love him with all our hearts and those others you know so we're, like you said we're not a man on an island um, when we love another we are fulfilling that commandment which reciprocates or reflects the, the Trinitarian love between mm-hmm. Father Son and the Holy Spirit so how impor- how important was Uncle Dan's Smile Factory? Uh, he uh for a long time he uh, he he uh, for as long as we have today it is the best day of my life. Um so do you have any more smile days than before?
1: Well, that's a lot of years between then and now, and uh, a lot of forgetting that message for sure, you know. Mm -hmm. I mean, I feel like uh, after all it's said and done, uh, I I have dealt with some pretty profound sadness, you know, and and even beyond dealing with loss, you know. Um, uh, But... uh, I I I tell my kids I I tell my kids to walk through the smile factory. You know my children, my daughters. I say up 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 up, walk through the smile factory. Come on. <laughs> you know and uh and that's a tribute to my uncle you know so uh uh someday I'll share with him the story or maybe he'll just read the book <laughs> you know and uh and he'll see how much of an impact that has had on me and and that story is easily oh goodness uh 30 something years old you know that that happened 30 something years ago I'm sure and I never forget it and um the idea that you can choose joy uh it's become a cliche these days but it's real you can you can choose yeah. joy now some it's easier for some people than others i get that but um you can you, you can make efforts to choose you know what i mean
0: so you, from what i hear from you mike is that writing in itself is therapeutic for many reasons because it has you say that your mind has changed in its focus that writing has reoriented you um Uh, even with your memories of your brother Brian Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so can you speak about how powerful the writing process uh, has contributed to your healing
1: well uh, I think that lots of people that struggle with any kind of uh, depression anxiety you know I'm sure there is a long list of uh, methods to address the sadness I would bet that on anybody's list is going to be write down your thoughts. Keep a journal, you know? Uh, And I don't know why it helps, but it does and it did and um, uh, does it just put things into order? Uh, Sometimes I'll write down something I'm thinking, I'm like, wow, that's really ridiculous, <laughs> you know? It, it, it's almost like it it gives you almost like a third-person perspective of what your thoughts are, and you write them down, and you see them on a page. You say, oh, wow, I really was acting like a child. Um, uh, so so maybe that's part of it. Uh, I think in this particular case, you know, that, that's part of it for writing in general, but in this particular case, you know, for my baby, um, uh, this is her legacy, you know. Uh, she is not alive in the sense that I get to hold her, and I wish that I did, and I'm sad that I can't. But uh, she's alive in different ways, and and this book maybe is one of them. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Um, so we're going to finish it up with two more questions, Mike. Okay. Um, why do you believe that God speaks to us in miracles? What I mean by this is that do you see God working in your life in simple reminders of your daughter through other people conversations, times of year that brings you comfort and courage to carry the message of hope and unity to family members, friends and students, and strangers
1: without a doubt uh, no. without a doubt uh, um, i mean as far as miracles are concerned uh i don't you know um Uh, I feel like miracles exist to remind us that there's more to all of this than what we can see and know, right? Mm -hmm. Um, uh, Miracles are not things that I am, you know, inclined to wish for. Uh, Miracles are beyond my power to wish or hope, um, I guess, you know? Uh, So let's think of miracles like... Uh, like you said, you know uh you know uh, an exchange, for example um uh I see somebody and uh am able to think of my daughter, you know that is a reminder, yes, you know um uh one time, my wife and I were at the beach, and uh we see a woman setting up those little you ever see those little um uh little paper like hot air balloons you put a little yeah. Tea candle, whatever you call it, tea light, uh, and, it, and it floats the paper bag up, right, yeah. and they glow and they look pretty, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so we're walking out off the beach, and it 's probably about eight o'clock, 7:31 summer evening. This woman walks up, and I don't know what made us stop. We sh- saw her carrying a couple of bags, parcels, whatever, and we stopped and looked at her. It, like, why? People come on often on the beach, thousands of people at a time, and it's nobody's business, but for some reason, Tara and I stopped. And we watched the girl, watched this woman uh, set up, um, a, 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 you know, start setting her, her things up. And Tara, for some and now Tara is not typically like this. You know, she doesn't get involved in people's business, you know. And she walked over to this woman, and I was with Charlotte and Judith, so I was kind of like watching them. And, and, you know, I see Tara talking to this woman, and she was lighting this, this hot air balloon thing uh, as a memorial. Um, and to me, uh, that's an opportunity to have talked about Sophia and say, well, we lost a baby, this sounds like such a great idea, you know, maybe we'll do it. That's, I mean, I don't know if that's an according to Hoyle Miracle or not, but that was a hello from from our angel, you know, that was a reminder. Um, So, uh, if that's what you mean, then absolutely yes.
0: Yeah, and a lot of times when I'm on a job, I do uh, very physical labor, there's Many times when I've just about had it, um, I find a penny or two, you know, out of nowhere. And it just stops me. And I say, you know, I thank God that, you know, I say, hey, Michelle, Um, you know, so God is again doing for me what I cannot do for myself. And well, that I'm not alone.
1: I uh, many, 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 many years ago. I was talking to my parents at dinner and uh, I was upset, I was I was freaking out really because of questions about my brother and things that were unresolved and, and I was probably 19 or something years old and I was really struggling and my brother used to carry around this backpack every, always, everywhere, he had it everywhere. It was uh, you know, just a knapsack, whatever you would call it and he just had his stuff in it and he would ride around town on his bike all day long everywhere he'd go, he had this backpack. And uh, I said, you know, it's not fair. Like, well, there's so many things, and I'm talking to my parents. And I said, there's so many things I want to know. Like, where did his backpack go? What happened? He had that all the time. You know, where did it go? Did some, you know, now the, the question is, you know, did somebody steal it? You know, did somebody harm him and steal his backpack? You know, so that was, you know, whatever. I'm telling you, we went out. We were out at dinner, right? We're talking about this. We get home from dinner, Mike. What is now, This is easily a year or two after my brother died, right?
0: Mm.
1: We get home. What is on the steps of my house?
0: Mm. The backpack. Yeah, yeah.
1: I mean, that is to me. That's mind-boggling. That's that's crazy. That's out there, you know. And Mm. and uh, somebody called the next day. Somebody called our house. My brother's wallet was in the bag. Uh, He looked. He called the phone number and the address, and he called. And I remember answering the phone, and I was just like, "Uh, you better talk to my mom." But he said he found the bag, and my mom had to tell this poor guy what happened to my brother, um, and how you know how hard that must have been for my mother, you know. But to me, I, I don't, I can't understand that in any other way than a miraculous hello, you know.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, well, Mike, that winds it up for us today. Um, it's been a real joy listening to your uh, insights and perspectives. Um, I hope. It's my uh, pleasure, Mike. Yeah, it, it, if you don't mind. Uh, I end each program with uh, petitions of prayer, uh, and then I say, uh, Our Father, uh, Hail Mary, and Glory be. Would you like to join me?
1: I'd love that. No problem. Yeah,
0: absolutely. I'll go first with the petition, then you, and then we'll... Recite of our Father together. So, you and got the you. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Amen. amen. Lord, thank you so much for this opportunity through Bereavement Miracles to talk to Mike Flood uh, in remembrance of his uh, daughter Sophia, as well as Charlotte and Judith and Tara. Uh, Mike is a channel of your peace, Lord, and uh, thank you for helping him spread the good news throughout this world that is really uh, having much difficulty. Uh, Help and strengthen Mike and his wife and his children and all those around him um, to not be afraid. And you have uh, given up your, your only begotten son to help us to be able to say that and to witness that day in and day out. Uh, I do pray for my wife to to get better. I pray for our son, our, our daughter. I pray for our Holy Catholic Church, the Pope, uh, priests, uh, uh, deacons, all religious, but particularly Father for all those that have fallen away from our from going to church. And I do want to say thank you for allowing me to speak to Mike today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. You can go ahead, Mike, if you'd like. To okay.
1: Yep. Okay yeah uh just uh, uh my daily petition uh my wife and my girls uh, my angel baby Sophia, my brother Brian, uh, my loved ones, my family, my parents, my siblings, um, my awesome in-laws, uh, my in-laws, uh, my, my wife's parents, um, and my brother-in-law and his wife and, and baby, uh, my network of uh, supporters and, and loved ones. Um, thank you, God, for all of them and for this opportunity.
0: Our Father, who art in heaven. heaven,
1: hallowed, hallowed be, be thy name.
0: Blessed, blessed are thou among, among women, women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, of Jesus. womb Jesus. Holy, Holy Mary, Mary Mother, of Mother of God, pray for, pray for us sinners now, now and at the hour of our death. death. Amen. Amen. Glory be Glory to the, be the Father, the Father into the and to the Son and to the Holy, Holy Spirit. Spirit, as it was in the as beginning, is, beginning, is now, now, and ever shall be, and ever the world without end. end. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Mike, thank you. God bless you. And uh, we'll we'll talk again.
1: All right, Mike. It was my pleasure. Thank you so much. You take
0: care. All right. Yeah. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed the program, and will join us back for another show on WCAT Radio. This is Sebastian Mafoud. Good day.